Hello, and thank you for listening to St. Mark's Cathedral Conversations. The following interview with Dick and Jane Carter was recorded in November 2019 before the establishment of social distancing guidelines. Welcome to St. Mark's Cathedral Conversations, a podcast featuring members of the St. Mark's Cathedral community in Seattle, Washington. These interviews feature lives of faith and adventure, service and connection. Here's our host, Michael Pereira. I've been waiting to have this conversation with Dick and Jane Cotter for a while because I've seen them around St. Mark's a lot, but we never really got to know each other until we had a fascinating conversation about St. Petersburg a few weeks ago. And we'll certainly get to that, but for now, I just want to welcome and say thank you to Dick and Jane Cotter for being part of our St. Mark's podcast. So, Dick and Jane, thank you so much for being here today. To start with, I'd just love to hear how you began in the Episcopal Church, how the Episcopal Church found its way into your lives. Well... I'll start. Okay. We have different stories here because we weren't married. <laughs> uh, I, in the very first, earliest stages of my life, uh, my family was Presbyterian. And um, th- there were difficulties in my family that um, uh, had to be, uh, that, that were resolved. Um, there was a priest. Uh, in uh, an Episcopal priest who was very influential with my parents and um, helped them and uh, so for that reason they joined uh, the uh, St. Paul's Church in Morris Plains, New Jersey and the family um, four of us kids went along because that's what we did (laughs) Um, so I basically joined the Episcopal Church uh, with my parents when I was about 11 years old and um, we loved that little church in New Jersey and I was confirmed there and uh, was very active, taught Sunday school as a teenager and and, um, just, you know, we we sang in the choir. and then when I went to high school, um, this same priest um, recommended that uh, I, w- my sister and I, uh, who was one year younger than me, went to a Episcopal girls' school in Mendham, New Jersey, St. John the Baptist School for Girls. It was a boarding school that um, we were day students at. Um, we. We're, uh, we lived oh, about um, about a 20 minute drive away so that was a, a, a big thing going back and forth and trying to integrate into the school uh, that was mostly a boarding school but being day students um, but that was my background as an Episcopalian um, then I went off to college and um, things sort of drifted away like many people did and um, we uh, I, you know I'd, I'd go to church occasionally but I was 
when we moved, when I moved from New Jersey out to Seattle, I was much more enamored with Mount Rainier and the mountains and, and hiking and all these things, and I, I didn't think about church very much. What brought you to Seattle? Uh, well, uh, in 1965, my sister and I and my brother had this long camping trip um, across the country, a long road trip, in a VW Bug three adults in a VW bug. And uh, we went all over the place. And um, we had relatives on the West Coast, both in LA and, and in Oregon and in Seattle. And we got to know these sort of distant relatives that we hadn't you know, really had much uh, contact with. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to Seattle and, and um, loved it and then had to go back to New Jersey. And the, um, I think both my sister and I were restless. We were young adults in our 20s and we were, we were tired of New Jersey. We said, the highest peak in New Jersey is only 1,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotta go out there where the mountains are. And uh, so the following year, um, we went, we, well, we, we got teaching jobs at Annie Wright School in, in Tacoma, mm-hmm. which is an Episcopal, was an all-girls school at that time. And uh, the headmaster ex- accepted us sight unseen, yeah. interview over the telephone. Um, and we, so we had jobs and we went, we had another road trip out to, uh, out to the West Coast and, and I taught in New Jersey. Um, I taught at Annie Wright in, in Tacoma for a couple of years and met Dick, and that's another story that you can tell. <laughs> uh, but um, we were married at Annie Wright, it was called Annie Wright Seminary at that point, and Annie Wright School um, in their chapel. And um, then the following summer, we moved to Seattle and we had a apartment just very close on Federal Avenue, very close to um, St. Mark's. But church wasn't a part of your life at that point? Well, or yes a significant and no. Part. Not, 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 you know, we weren't very, very involved, but right, right. Uh, Dick was also an Episcopalian and we, you know, that we got married in the Episcopal Church. Right. And, um, so, but when we moved to Seattle, this was a little apartment over there near Roy Street, and it was within walking distance to St. Mark's. And so we wandered in, and there were some wild things going on then. Dean Leffler, Dean, you know, John Leffler was the dean, and um, it was, it, we were married in 1968, so there was these huge political oh, yeah. things going on, and um, we all lived through that and survived that. Um, and uh, then we moved out to Des Moines um, for about five years, and we were we had kids, had a couple of kids, and we would go back and forth. We got more involved at St. Mark's, and uh, we were going back and forth. And we decided we didn't like this. We uh, we wanted to be closer. And so, in 1973, four. 1974, we bought this house on the corner of Federal Avenue and Newton Street, 
and we lived there for 43 years. Wow. And that allowed us to be more active at St. Mark's. And for me, the attraction for St. Mark's was two things. One was the music. I'm, I'm a musician, and the music has always been a big attraction, uh, both to participate and to, to, to listen to. And the other was the openness to whatever place you, I and mean, we still say, wherever you are in your journey, you're welcome uh, at this table. They didn't say that back then, but it was there. Mm. And um, uh, you, you, could, you could have doubts, you could exp express, express your doubts, and nobody would kick you out. You would just work through them. And um, mm. so that, that in, the intellectual, intelligent part of looking at your faith, it was an important part for me. So uh, that's how we got into and at St. Mark's. Okay. You can tell your story. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in uh, Southern Oregon uh, in the Rogue <coughs> River Valley. And when I was 21, uh, came home from the Army, and uh, my mother and I started church shopping. We visited various churches. We, we came to the Episcopal Church in Medford, which incidentally is also named St. Mark's, <laughs> and uh, and just figured that was it. it we liked the uh, the rector so much and and uh, the philosophy of the church, and so uh, we both became Episcopalians. Uh, I was baptized on my twenty-first birthday. So then. Uh, I kind of, I, I stayed in the church, I sang in the choir down there and attended pretty regularly. But uh, then in uh, 1967 I moved to Seattle because I wanted to uh, pursue my Russian studies at the University of Washington. and. Uh, just as school, as school year started, well, uh, I, I met Jane through uh, a cousin of hers that I had known in Southern Oregon. And she introduced us and we had a marvelous couple weekends of picnicking and water skiing out at Lake Sammamish. So then on our first date, I was delighted to find out that uh, Jane, too, was an Episcopalian. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, uh, uh, we've been together ever since. But uh, Jane has already told you about uh, living close to uh, the cathedral here. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I agreed with her that I, I loved the music and uh, thought Peter Halleck was a genius and <laughs> also uh, enjoyed the sermons of uh, John Leffler. And uh, that was in 1968 and we've been here ever since. Can you give me an overview, I mean as much detail as you want. <coughs> All the things that you've done at St. Mark's, the different ministries that you volunteered in, 
Jane, you mentioned your love of music, and I know you sing in the choir, so we could talk about that a little. But what expressions of your faith have you found here at St. Mark's? Well, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, when our kids were little, uh, we were very involved with the, uh, with, with the education, with what they now call it faith formation. Um, when Cabby Tennis came, he invited me to be part of what they call the Education Commission. Um, the system doesn't exist anymore, but there were commissions, worship and, and education and so on. Um, so I agreed to do that and I got involved in, in, um, in, in building the, the education, mostly for young, for young people. And we had preschool age kids, we were two, two kids and they were very young. And, and um, so that was, that was kind of my, the first you know, thing I did, activity I did um, on any kind of official basis. Um, we had already moved to um, Capitol Hill, so we were able to be more involved. Um, in um, 1975, I think, um, the, the, there was an opening for um, being, um, they called it then the Sunday School Superintendent or uh, the education director. And um, I was asked to do that. So I served about five years on the staff, the cathedral staff, and uh, direct, worked on different um, aspects of education. It wasn't nearly as involved as it is now, but it was, it, it was a pretty important, you know, time-consuming job. Uh, Dick was part of that too, mostly he had a full-time job teaching, um, so he didn't do the day-to-day -day things, but he was there on Sunday morning and we, we ran the Sunday school. Um, so I did that, we did that for about five years and then um, we, we stopped and somebody else took over. And um, then... Um, I was still involved in, in education in many ways, but uh, they, you know, retreats and, and, and um, conferences, and uh, both of us went to uh, the diocesan uh, leadership training at that point in the 80s somewhere, uh, where they, they trained you to be, um, to, to run some be part of a small group and to run a small group and it was supposed to be many kinds of ministries that you could do but you learned to listen and you learned it. Right. Um, and um, so that was a very you know powerful experience to do that and then um, because of that I, we got involved um, I, ser I served on the diocesan education commission oh. for a while and then I also was on, in this group called uh, tax, and I can't remember what it stands for. T-A-X? T-A-C-S. Uh, it had, well, it was a, the diocesan um, training uh, program, but it also involved, if there was a, 
vacancy uh, in, in a church in the diocese that we were consultants and we would go and help them with their search process. That makes sense. And that was, that was a very rewarding thing to do. There were many ways that we, we helped people around the diocese, but that was one of the bigger ones was to, um, to, to be a consultants for the churches that were looking for a new pastor. Yeah. So um, I did that for a while, and, um, and then, um, oh gosh, when did, it, when did we start in with Russia? Um, in the late 80s, and I'll let you tell about that. Um, with with the you know starting with with the patriarch and coming in and the, 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 the everything, but um, I, that program you know involvement started in about 1988 and went all, all the way through to the the end of the. Um, oh, 2008 or 9 is when we finally stopped the program. And actually, Dick is still part of the, 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 the church council uh, board. Um, <clears throat> after uh, that um, kind of stopped uh -huh. and uh, was the, that ministry was over, uh, one of the things we, uh, we did um, was we in 2008, uh, we participated in the pilgrimage from um, in Spain, from, uh, walking uh, from um, uh, the Spanish-French border across northern Spain to Santiago de Compostela, and that's an ancient pilgrimage that um, uh, people have walked ever since about the year 1000. Is this the Camino or is it the a Camino de Santiago? There we go, right. Yeah. And we did that in, in, in 2008. Um, I was, you were in your 70s, late 70s, you were 77 77 or 78, 78. and um, I was 12 years younger, so I was in my 60s. And uh, so we were one of the older ones that did it. <laughs> but uh, we walked the whole thing and it was um, a really, uh, life-changing experience um, for the community and the just relying on not only um, you, you, you went in, inward to you, your body would fail you yeah. <laughs> and so you'd have to dig dig deeper and find things to be able to do with it but the community you felt and just the whole idea of giving um, uh, not being, knowing that you couldn't rely on yourself, you had to rely on God, and you had to rely on um, uh, other people in the community to help you when you had troubles and, and so on. So it was a wonderful experience, and it was powerful enough that, uh, well, the one thing they say when you get to the end, it, that is just your turnaround point, and the Camino that is, it, the rest of your life is going is is also your pilgrimage, so it's it's given I think me I'm sure Dick too a different um, feel for your for your life that this is this is a pilgrimage and this is this is something that um, we you know uh, it it finds it, it unfolds in ways that maybe you don't 
even have any idea of how they would. Hmm. And uh, one of the things it did for uh, for me was, um, well, for both of us, we, we went back to volunteer. We, we went back for 10 years volunteering um, to help other pilgrims. And through the volunteering, I, um, uh, this is sort of roundabout, but uh, I um, fell in love with a Spanish guitar. And um, <clears throat> I, um, the, the guitar builder, I ended up buying, having him make me one. And so I learned to play the guitar. And um, that has uh, evolved into a new ministry for me where I go with the uh, Eucharistic visitors and I, uh, I sing for them. I sing for the people that we visit. Huh. And um, I provide music at the beginning of the service and at the end of the service. And um, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it just playing the piano. It wouldn't have worked. Right. And, um, so we have a very small group of people who, who come, uh, you know, who come with me, and uh, we we sing for people who can't come to church, provide music for people who can't come to church. Have I seen you with your guitar? At oh yes, Sam that's it. That's I, it. I mean, because obviously you don't you don't why, use why that at the services. Why is that guitar? <laughs> so I would see you carrying that. I I would always wonder, do you play it somewhere? Is there a smaller service going on? And in a way, I guess there is when you do your visits. It's just not at the cathedral. Church. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, that that explains that. Yeah, oh, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and that all that all started. I I uh, in two thousand fifteen. I I was in Spain and I broke my arm. I had a fall and I broke my arm, and I was uh, given a a, a, a painkiller over there. It was a pain, muscle relaxer painkiller that I had a severe drug reaction to, and um, I came back and I was in the hospital for uh, well, for a while re re recovering from this drug reaction, and there were people who came and played music for me. Mel Butler for one, oh, wow. and um, uh, other other people came, and uh, it, it it was such a powerful uh, energy of healing mm -hmm. for me that when I recovered, um, and I fully recovered from this awful time, I that's what I wanted to do was to provide music for others that were, you know, and so it's been you know people with dementia who. Who can't even talk? Who um, we you play us? You, you sing a familiar song like "Amazing Grace," and they'll sing along with you. Oh. Um, uh, people who a person you know maybe a person who's very agitated and 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 um, you know anxious, and you sing for them and they they calm down or smile or whatever. So it's 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 a very powerful. Very powerful ministry, and you, in a way, giving back after it's your own experience back, with that. Right, right. Knowing, knowing personally what, what that um, power, the music, the healing power of music can yeah. do. Yeah. And speaking of music, uh, all this time from, uh, I don't know, the early '90s, maybe, uh, we've been involved in the nine o'clock choir. Off and on, there was a long time where we didn't. We, we, there were several years where we 
took a, uh, a hiatus because our Russian program was, was um, you know, so busy with that. But um, I, I'm, I'm back in it now. And um, Dick was in it for a while, and he's, he's retired, but he's been part of it too. So um, that's the main part. I think the main part of what I've been doing, and you can go ahead and tell about some of the things that you've done that I was not particularly involved in, like, you know. Okay. Oh, the vestry. We've both been on the vestry. I was on the vestry during Cabby's time, and you were on the vestry during Fred. Yeah. Okay, you go. Your turn. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so anyway, in those early years, um, uh, after Dean Leffler, well, uh, of course there was Cavi uh, <coughs> Tennis, and he was a great preacher and teacher. And I remember taking uh, some of his courses. Uh, the one that probably made the most impact on me was uh, a course on on uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, uh, somehow it's it's it's. Uh, something I refer back to mentally fairly often. <clears throat> but in, in those uh, early days of our being here, the, the early, in the 70s and 80s, well, I remember being involved in uh, the church school with Jane. And also, uh, it, it seemed like I was involved in the kitchen a lot. I, I did a lot oh, of, the Girl Scouts, remember? Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of cooking with it. And the Betsy Bell's Girl Scouts are big help uh, serving and things like that. And um, there were breakfasts you made for the educate for the Sunday school teachers once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I maybe there was one morning when uh, the girls didn't show up. And so I was in a panic. I thought, oh, I'll call Betsy. Well, I dialed the wrong number and got my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, what are you doing over there? Said, what do you mean over there? I'm at home. <laughs> so I've never quite lived that down. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, it was good at St. Mark's with the Christmas celebrations and things like that. And also, I uh, sometime in there got involved in singing in the choir. And were you in the choir at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when uh, Fred was here, Fred Northup, uh, I got on the vestry. Can I interject something for a minute? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I was on the search committee to get Mel Butler, and um, so that was a very important part of something that I did. Right. Uh, in fact, Steve Mullen and I have said, he was also on the search committee, said, that was, he, Steve said, that was the most important thing I've ever done in the whole years I've been in St. Mark's. And I agreed. <laughs> I agreed perfectly. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You know, my uh, interest 
has been since I was 12 years old, has been in foreign languages. And when I lived in San Francisco in the 1950s, well, I had a private tutor to teach me Russian. I had the attitude that uh, if more Americans would learn to speak Russian and more Russians would learn to speak English, well then there'd be less of a chance of us taking up arms and shooting each other. And uh, that has more or less been my philosophy for years. And I've looked for opportunities for friendship between the two countries. Come to find out, this is a little off the subject maybe, but there are far more speakers of English in Russia than there are speakers of Russian in <coughs> America. <laughs> so my philosophy uh, would hold truer there than here. <laughs> but it had nothing to do with politics. Well, anyhow, that got me into, um, in 1988, Russia was celebrating, I should say the Russian Orthodox Church, was celebrating 1,000 years of Christianity. And there was a large delegation from Seattle that uh, went to help them celebrate, to show their, their solidarity there. And of course, this was also at the time the Soviet Union had fallen yeah. or was close to yeah. collapsing. And anyhow, Kathy uh, Janis was among that group. And uh, out of that grew the uh, Seattle-St. Petersburg Sister Churches program. And then in uh, 1993, uh, Jane and I were on the board and it was decided that enough of this commerce just between parishioners, or just between priests and bishops, that we should take it down to a parishioner level. So uh, we decided to form parish partnerships. And Jane and I <coughs> toured quite a number of churches in the Puget Sound area that would be interested in participating in that took videos of the church, interviewed the uh, head priest or rector, and then in 1994 we went to Russia and uh, took our video program and uh, the bishop there in St. Petersburg uh, gave us a list of churches that he thought would be interested in Western contacts. And so we started calling on churches, and we were there for six weeks, calling on churches and showing our videos and and uh, getting uh, getting the contact, so to speak. And at that time, the Russian churches were in a state of <coughs> physical and spiritual decadence, decay not decadence, decay, because the, the uh, communist government had taken over the buildings, right. church properties, and they had no uh, intent to uh, maintain them. And so many of the churches were in 
very sad physical condition. And most of the people we contacted in St. Petersburg were uh, willing to take on Puget Sound partners uh, with the hopes that we would help them physically rebuild their churches. And uh, we not only helped with that, we had fundraisings, various kinds, but we had exchanges, uh, groups of uh, priests and parishioners from St. Petersburg would come to Seattle and visit their partner churches and, and people from here would go over there, visit their partner churches. And uh, Jane and I always went, went along. Uh, I was an interpreter for the group when necessary. Once we got there, there was uh, a nice lady named Nadezhda Kolesnikova who always was there to meet us and became the guide and interpreter. So uh, my job was made easy. Then uh, that was followed by uh, starting school exchanges. Oh. And uh, so we took students over there and brought uh, groups of students from there to here. And I think we had three of those exchanges. Mm -hmm. So uh, it made the ties with St. Petersburg pretty strong. And back to St. Mark's. Uh, <clears throat> we uh, we had a harvest table that we'd set up on the front porch of the cathedral and sell all kinds of produce and pies and jams and things and and uh, we raised money for to to help our partner parish and. St. Petersburg. Well, that eventually ended when uh, <clears throat> the Episcopal Church chose Dean Robertson as a uh, bishop. And uh, somehow word of his homosexuality got to the Russian Orthodox Church, and they're very uptight about that. <laughs> so, I think that also, they were, they had recovered a great deal, and the the churches were were were, they weren't back to complete completion, but they they had found uh, ways to uh, raise money themselves, and uh, they, they 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 they're they're proud people. They did not want to accept gifts when they didn't need it. Of course. And so that was also part of. There was this tension with the, um, with with ways that we disagreed, like with with homosexuality and and women's ordination and and things like that. But uh, they they also just really didn't need the help anymore. And um, so, and Father Victor did say he always wanted to be friends with us. Oh yeah. Always said that. What was the expression? He said that that the, oh, yeah. the things that separate us are are from the devil, but the things that 
bring us together are from God. And um, he was very open to many things. Um, he had his limitations, but, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> but and we did too. We can't see ours as much as we can see other people's. <laughs> And if you'd like to listen to part two of my interview with Dick and Jane Carter, you can find that episode on the St. Mark's website or wherever you get your podcasts.